You are listening to a sermon by Tanner Sherlock. Visit com for more info. Alright, so last week we talked a little bit about being teachable. And I hinted at the fact that um, sometimes when we're Christians for a long time, we can eventually get to a point where uh, we almost have a, a kind of a pride about us with our relationship with Christ. Um, we almost get to the point where, as you've been a Christian for a long time, um, you feel like you you almost become calloused to God and the Holy Spirit. You almost get to a point where you feel like you kind of know everything and you you almost have a pride about you. And so I warned a little bit last week about throughout your walk with Christ, remaining teachable at all times, especially the longer you walk with Christ, you need to focus on every single day waking up and being teachable. And so this week, um, I'm going to talk a little bit, going to go kind of on a different path, but still keeping in mind the thing that we've been talking about the last three weeks. And so this week is an extremely important week. And so I kind of want you guys to, to focus, I don't know, put your phone away if you have to, make sure, put it in your pocket, put it at the center of the table, whatever you got to do to focus this week. I really feel like this week's going to be an important week. See, um, when we first become Christians, there's almost this ignorance about us. And it's, it's almost a willful ignorance. And it's almost, to be honest, it's a, it's a healthy ignorance about Jesus Christ and about God. And through that ignorance, we recognize that there's very little, you know, that we know about Jesus. Maybe we grew up in church. Maybe we grew up hearing about Jesus. We've heard about all the Bible stories. But we, we kind of, once we first become Christians, we're walking in that, whether it happens radically overnight for you or whether it happens over a period of a few years, there's almost a willful, willful ignorance because you know that you don't know everything about Jesus. And you know that there's more to know. John Bevere puts it this way, and it's honestly my favorite way to put it is, if you think about like a sports figure like Michael Jordan, you might be a huge fan of Michael Jordan. You might know everything there is to know about Michael Jordan. You might know his birth date, his wedding anniversary, the day he was drafted into the, the NBA, the, the day he retired. You might know his height, his weight, his, his favorite food, his favorite color. You might, you might know everything there is to know about Michael Jordan. But when you meet him on the street, he's not going to run up to you, hug you, high-five you, and talk about how long it's been since he's seen you last. And so just because you know someone, know a lot about them, doesn't necessarily mean you know them. And so when we first become Christians, whether you know a lot about Jesus or not, there, like I said, there was, there's that little bit of a willful ignorance because you know that you don't know Jesus Christ. You might know a lot about him, but you don't know him. And see, when John Bevere puts it is, when he John Bevere puts it is basically that through the Holy Spirit is how we get to know Jesus Christ. But for what I want to talk about today, I'm going to kind of go off on a little bit different point. See, the difference between knowing Jesus and knowing and really knowing Jesus is a very big difference. It could be the difference between literally heaven and hell. It's a huge difference. We as Christians, we have to make sure that we have a relationship with Jesus. We have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have a relationship with God. We have to get to a point where we're actually having two-way conversations. We're actually investing that time into our relationship. That way we're not just studying facts about Jesus and not actually engaging into an applicable relationship with him. See, in, in the same breath, at the same time, 
How many of you guys have that best friend that, like, you know you see them every single solitary day, and, like, when you see them, you walk into the room, and you're like, yeah, you just kind of give them the head nod, and you sit down, and you're good to go, and you just, you're there with them. Or you might give them a, what's up, you know, maybe maybe even venture into, you know, oh, how, how was your day today? Or for girls, maybe you talk more, but guys, it's like, you know, it's that, that relationship, you know what I'm saying? And so today I want to warn you not to get to that point with Jesus. And what I'm saying is, don't get to a point where you're so, so used to your relationship that you're no longer excited about him. That you're no longer excited about what Jesus is doing in your life. That you're no longer excited about what he did for you to begin with. You know, with your relationship, you want to grow in your relationship, and you want to get closer to him. But I want to warn you today to never get to a point where you lose that excitement, where you lose that tenacity that you once had when you first gave your life to Christ or when you were early on in your walk. See, like I was kind of talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ for somebody who's been in that relationship for a long time can eventually, like I was alluding to, get to a point where you're calloused and, and you might give God a what's up or a, you know, hey, how are you doing kind of thing. But you're not, you're not intimate. You're not excited. You, you've lost that passion for Jesus Christ. And today I, I want to warn you to not get to that point. See, I want to warn you not to allow your relationship to Jesus to become so commonplace that it becomes that what's up kind of conversation. So you know like those commercials where you've got the, the war veterans coming back home and their kids sees them for the first time after they've been gone and they're just so excited and they run screaming excitedly into their arms of their dad or their mom and they're just overwhelmed with excitement. It's like I want to encourage you to have that kind of relationship with Jesus every day for the rest of your life. I want to encourage you to get to a point where you're so excited to talk to him that it's the very first thing on your mind when you wake up, the very last thing before you go to bed. See, when I start talking about Jesus Christ, one of the things that helps me stay excited and helps me kind of keep on point and kind of remember why I do what I do, I like to remember and I like to talk about, and it's honestly the the thing that I talk about the most when I go to churches that I haven't visited before, and I want to get a message across to the people there who I have no clue where they're at in their life. I have no idea what's going on in their life, but I know there's one universal sermon that I can give at brand new churches. And that sermon is basically, I talk about my first encounters with Jesus. I talk about when I became a Christian, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I talk about the, the scriptures that just changed my life. Because I can remember back when I gave my life to Christ, and as most of you guys know, I gave my life to Christ at a salt event years and years ago. And I could just remember being so excited that immediately, right off the bat, the very next day I go up and they're, they're asking for testimonies. And I stand up in front of like 900 students because at the time salt north and south were combined. And I just say, hey, last night I gave my life to Christ. And just an eruption of cheers. And then I can remember going home, or not going home, but going back to my hotel room almost immediately and calling my mom, just excited. Hey, mom, I just gave my life to Christ. And just just being excited to just share that with anybody and everybody, whether they wanted to hear it or not. I was excited about my relationship with Christ. 
and I can find that those times in which I'm excited about Jesus Christ and what he's doing in my life are those times where no matter how hard life gets, life seems to be a little bit easier. And now, you know, once you get separated from that initial conversion, you're walking with Christ for a while, the excitement becomes a little bit different for me. And I guess for each of you, your excitement might look different. But for me, that excitement is when I'm reading in Scripture and I come across kind of a new point that I I had never really thought of before. And it's one of those things, it's just kind of like, wow, I never even thought about that that way. And then I immediately, you know, when I have my one-on-ones with my students, I'll I'll share it with them. I, I share it with my wife. I share it with my friends. And I'm just excited to talk about it. Or a new revelation that the Holy Spirit gives you while you're reading a piece of Scripture that you've read a hundred times before. I'm that way with Genesis. Every time I read Genesis, there's something new in there. And I've read Genesis so many times. But every single time I have ever read it, something pops out to me. And it's just so exciting because it's like, man, I've read this 20 times. But yet this thing is popping out to me today. And I just, I, I hold on to it. And I run with it. And I just allow that excitement to grow into sharing it with other people. And I just kind of imagine it as, you know, like when a father or mother gets excited, you know, when their kids accomplish something. And they just get so excited for them, even though it's, it's not something that they personally did, but they're seeing it, seeing something that their kids do. And I just kind of feel like I have that kind of excitement for, for things that I read in Scripture, things that God did in the past. But then I also think about this, that if I'm that excited about it, I wonder how excited God is to see me come through a piece of revelation, a piece of truth that he set out. And he's just looking at me, he's going, I knew you would get that today. Man, I'm so excited for you. And I just can imagine that, that on the other side of the equation, the, the joy that is going into even just simple things like coming through revelation in scripture. Now, if you don't believe me, Luke 15.10 tells us, In the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. So when you give your life to Christ, even the angels are excited about it, let alone how excited God is, let alone how excited Jesus is, let alone how excited the Holy Spirit is. Even the angels are excited when even just one sinner repents. And so... If I can give you one single solitary piece of advice today that I want you to write down, that I want you to tweet, that I want you to put on Facebook, whatever you got to do to try to remember it, it is this. Don't let your excitement, your awe, or your enthusiasm of what Christ did on the cross and what Christ has done in your life ever wear off. Don't ever allow it to wear off from your life. You need to hold on to that excitement because in your lifetime, and your entire lifetime, from the second you were born until the second you die, you will never come across a piece of information that is better. Uh, you will never come across a piece of information that is more important. You will never come across a piece of information that is more powerful than the information you learned when you came to the realization that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he cleansed you. There's nothing else that you will ever come across. No piece of information, no quote, no, no Bible verse, nothing. You will find nothing that is more important in your entire life than Jesus Christ coming to earth and dying on the cross. 
And so you've already heard the most important, the most powerful, the most amazing thing you can ever hear in your entire life. You have already heard it. And so I'm encouraging you today, you have to hang on to that. And before we begin and I transition into my sermon, I want to encourage you guys that even though you've probably heard this sermon before, maybe you've heard it once, maybe you've heard it a hundred times, I want to encourage you to pay attention. I want you to encourage you to try to pay attention because I, I really firmly believe that there is something in here that every single one of you guys can hang on to and can hold on to and, and can learn from. And so before we get started, I want to pray. Lord, I pray that as I continue that you would have your way, that the Holy Spirit would speak to each and every single one of us tonight. Lord, have your way. You are Lord over this place. Help us to focus on what you want to teach us and what you want us to learn tonight. So in order to, to really grasp what I'm trying to get across tonight, I, I need you to know who Jesus was. I need you to come to a, a full understanding of who Jesus was. And so tonight I'm going to be reading in a, a quite a bit of scripture within John. And if you want to try to follow along, you can. But we'll have this scripture up on the board, and I'm going to read through it, okay? John 3, for God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into this world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. John 1 says this about Jesus. In the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word is Jesus. The Word was God. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and fullness and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John 10 says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he is working only for money and doesn't really care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. John 19 says this, Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said, Look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Take aim yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, 
by our own law, he ought to die because he called himself the Son of God. And last but certainly not least, John 20, we read, Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. I chose these pieces of scripture because I feel like as in as limited time as I really have to try to explain to you who Jesus Christ was before you can go out and on your own read in scripture and try to figure it out and go through this process of really truly trying to understand Jesus. I can't tell you everything there is to know about Jesus because there is 66 books that are written about him because he is the word. And so I wanted tonight to take the word of God and use it to try to explain Jesus as quickly as I could, but while still remaining the full power of who Jesus really was. And in that, I shared about how Jesus was before time, before us, how Jesus created us, how through Jesus we were redeemed, how he came down from heaven onto earth, how he died and how he rose again. So if you're not aware of who Jesus is, I feel like that is as short and condensed version as I can truly give you tonight. One point that I want to start out in is that Jesus loved us so much that he descended from his throne. And I know we get caught up on Jesus coming down and being a sacrifice for us, and we get caught up on him dying on the cross, and we get caught up on him rising again. However, there's one point that I think that we forget way too often, and that is that Jesus descended from his throne and came to earth for us. I mean, just think about how amazing heaven is, how, how we picture heaven, and how, how it is this holy of holy places. It's heaven that we're talking about. And Jesus said, you know what? I love these people so much. I will step out of this place. I will step out of the Holy of Holies. I will step out of heaven and I will come to earth for them. I will give up my, my home in heaven for them. And not only would he give up his home in heaven, he also became one of us. He said, I will give up my, my place in heaven and I will go to earth and I will become man for man. Man, that's, that's powerful. That's so powerful. Like, this is the point where if you were watching a movie, you would be, this, the, the theater would be completely silent. And even though the movie got silent, it wouldn't be awkward. Because it's just so powerful, you almost just have to let it just sink in. What would cause someone, what would cause anyone to do that? What would cause Jesus to come down from heaven onto earth, to give up the kingdom, to give up heaven, to come down to earth? What would, what would cause someone to do that? The only thing that I can even really think of as far as on earth that we could even rationally try to compare it to is maybe something like, you know, when a father or mother gives up their, their dream career, you know, their, their shot at being a rock star or whatever their career is, they give up on that so that they can become a, a full-time working person so that their kid can have a better life. 
I mean, that's as, that's as close that, that mankind can even come to rationale, and it's not even in the same hemisphere as what I'm talking about. How many of you guys have seen Undercover Boss on TV? That's a great show. If you don't know what Undercover Boss is, I'll kind of explain it quickly. Basically, what happens is this big, huge boss or owner or CEO of a major multi-million, maybe even billion-dollar company steps down as CEO and becomes an entry-level worker for a short period of time. And basically what he's doing is he's trying to come down and see how the, the actual business is ran so that he can maybe get a little bit closer to it, so he can maybe understand some things, maybe he can work through some things, see how it's really going on the front lines. And so he, he hides his appearance and he, he puts on a gimmick and, and tries to appear differently than he normally appears so that he can try to blend in as an entry-level worker. That way his staff doesn't treat him different. They treat him as just a regular old anybody off the streets, even though he is actually their CEO. And within this, sometimes what happens is the CEO will find this amazing story of this person who, who maybe is, is sacrificing so much of their life but maybe it's a sick mom or, or a, a sick child, and so they have to work this job in order to pay the bills or whatever, and they gave up on school or, you know, some sort of, of sappy story. Or on the other side of it, sometimes he comes in and he realizes this person is a horrible worker, is, is toxic for the environment, and he fires them. I've seen both ranges of episodes. And so the coolest thing that I can remember seeing on Undercover Bosses I can remember one time the, the boss came down and um, the guy was providing for his, his kids and his kid was, was really sick with like cancer or something. And, and uh, he came down and I can remember he, he offered to pay. He paid off all the doctor's bills. And then on top of that, he also created an account so that the kid's son could go to school someday because there's no way that his dad working at this position, I can't remember what business it was, could ever really afford to put his kids through school. Now, as, as cool and awesome of a story as that is, because it really does, it kind of pulls at your heartstrings, you know, it kind of tears you up, and it, it, it's really powerful. But in even all of my time watching Undercover Boss, I've never seen a CEO come down, work an entry-level position, find somebody who he just absolutely loves their story and is such an amazing person, and then stops and says, you know what, I make $200 million a year, I'm going to give up my entire paycheck. I'm going to give up my entire inheritance. I'm going to give up my house. I'm going to give up my car. I'm going to give up everything that I own, and I'm going to give it to you so that you can have a better life. That is nothing even close to that has happened in Undercover Boss. And so when you put it into perspective, and even if we were deserving of it, even if we had done something to deserve Jesus Christ coming down from heaven and taking our place, even if there was something we could do to deserve it, it's still a powerful thing. And yet when we think in reality, we were the opposite of deserving it. We were about as far away from deserving it as you could possibly get. And so I just want to reiterate how big of a deal it was for Jesus Christ to give up heaven, to descend to earth and become man. And the second part of the picture I want to paint for you today is is the power of Jesus Christ. And so today, in, in a little bit more piece of Scripture, I'm going to ask you guys to turn in your Bibles to Colossians 1.15. If you don't have your Bibles, it will be up on the board. It's in the New Testament. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. 
For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Just let what I read sink in just a little bit. Continuing verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness well in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. He reconciled us to him because he so loved the world. I've shared in here before that there's, there's nothing that you can do to deserve, to earn, to buy what Jesus did. There's absolutely no good deed you can do. There's no good sermon you can preach. It doesn't matter how many homeless people you feed. It doesn't matter how, many, how much money you give away to missionaries. It doesn't matter how many people you bring to Christ. It doesn't matter. Any of that does not matter because it cannot purchase your gift from Jesus Christ. You cannot add those things into an equation that somehow makes it so that you are deserving of going to heaven. Because Jesus Christ reconciled you to himself. He did the dirty work. And it is because of his actions that we are cleansed. In order for us to be reconciled to Christ, he took the punishment upon his shoulders. And even though we were alienated, even though we had walked the path of sin, even though, like I said before, we were as far away from deserving it as you could possibly get, he still paid the price. See, this is the same Jesus that was there in the beginning. This is the same Jesus that will be there in the end. This is the same Jesus that I talked about, left his spot in heaven to come down to earth. This is the same Jesus that everything was made through. This is the same Jesus that John tells us gave life to everything. And this is the same Jesus that brought light to everyone. See, the same Jesus that we're talking about, this powerful, mighty Jesus, is the same Jesus that came down to earth, is the same Jesus that was pinned up on a cross, nailed onto a cross. This is the same Jesus that died, gave his life for you and me. As powerful and mighty as he was, he humbled himself came down to our level so that we could be presented without blemish, so that we could be presented without sin. I've yet to hear someone put it a better way than Francis Chan puts it. It's almost as if he traded places with us 
so that he suffered the punishment that I had earned through my actions. It's as if Jesus took my place. He came down from heaven and took my punishment so that I could take on his righteousness. See, when I die, Jesus will be up there, and and as my sins and as my life is being shared back to me, as as I'm taking account for it, Jesus is going to be standing there, and he's going to be standing right next to me, and he's going to say, man, Tanner proclaimed me on earth. Tanner followed me. Tanner served me. But Tanner accepted me. And because of that, he stands before you completely perfect, without sin, without blemish. Because it's not about me. It's not about my accolades. It's not about how good of a sermon I can preach on a Tuesday after or Tuesday evening. It's not about how good I can lead my small group. It's not about how many people I can bring to Christ. It's not about how many numbers I can produce into an email that goes out to my supporters. It doesn't matter if I serve Jesus for 60 years standing here proclaiming it from the pulpit and thousands and millions of people are saved because it's not about me. If I'm standing up here before you and I'm making it about me, then I'm in the wrong because it is all about Jesus and it is all about what he did on the cross and it is all about what he has done for us and it is all about him taking on the price for us. And so my question for you here tonight is, do you embrace the cross? Do you believe what I'm saying? Do you believe what John said when I was reading through the scriptures of what Jesus did? I'm not talking about whether or not your mom and dad believed. I'm not talking about whether your brother and sister believed. I'm not talking about if your pastor or your small group leader or your best friend or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. I'm not talking about your grandpa. I'm talking about you. Do you believe what I'm saying? Do you believe what John said? Do you believe what the scripture said about Jesus Christ? Are you the one saying, Jesus, it is all about you. It is not about me. I'm so excited for what you've done, Jesus, in my life. Is that what you're saying? Because one day you will stand before God. And the reaction is Jesus going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Have you confessed Jesus Christ? Or is he going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. I knew your mom, I knew your dad, I knew your grandpa, I knew your brother, I knew your sister, I knew your pastor, I knew your small group leader, but I never knew you. So I have to ask tonight, is your relationship with Jesus Christ your own relationship? Because I want to warn you guys, something that happens every single year in Chi Alpha, in ministry, in church, something that happens every single solitary year, there's someone who's on fire for Christ. They're coming every single week, they're here every single Tuesday, they're in church every single Sunday, they happen to go to every single small group. But something in their life happens, whether it be a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whether it be a tragic event, whether it be something that affects them personally, whether it's fast or slow, whether it's immediately or whether it takes a while, but one day I look up and that person's not here anymore. That person disappears from my life, disappears from the other Christians in this room's life. And I'll catch up with them later on down the road, and their relationship with Christ is literally non-existent. In fact, they might even tell you, I'm not even a Christian anymore. Because Paul said in Colossians, if you continue your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. And so I want to 
I warn you guys tonight, you need to make sure that your faith in Jesus Christ is your own. That you're not riding the curtails of, of your friend's faith. That you're not riding the relationship with Christ that your boyfriend or girlfriend has. That it is your own relationship. That it's not your mom's, it's not your dad's, that it is yours. Because what if 10 years down the road, you find that your mom and your dad and your grandpa and your grandma, your brother, your sister, your best friend, your small group leader, or even me, your pastor back home, whoever it is who is that person that is the reason why you're here, if they stop believing in Jesus Christ, will your relationship go along with it? And 10 years down the road, if everybody around you, if every single person in this room has given up their faith in Jesus Christ, will you still be standing firm in your beliefs? Because if your faith is not your own, you will go along with everybody else. But if you make the commitment and you stand firm and you make the commitment to stand firm in Jesus Christ and you make the the decision to stay excited about your relationship with him, if you seek after him every single day and you build on that foundation that is already here today, it's not going to matter in 10 years if everybody you know has given up on Christ because you've done what it takes to build a relationship with Christ and you can stand firm in his foundation. Not in your mom and dad's foundation. Not in your brother and sister's foundation. But in Jesus Christ's foundation for your life. Tonight you're going to need to make a choice. Are you going to let everything that I talked about be true? Are you going to believe what Jesus really was? Are you going to believe who he really was? Are you going to believe what he really did? Are you going to be that seed that grows and eventually produces more fruit? Are you so in love with God that you, it will withstand until the end. So tonight I want to ask you the question is, ask yourself this question, is my faith in Christ my own? Are you excited about God? Are you excited about what God's doing in your life? Are you excited about what God's doing in the life of those people around you? Are you excited about what God's doing in Chi Alpha? Are you excited about what God is doing? Because in a few moments I'm going to ask some of you guys to raise your hands. In a few moments, I'm going to give you the opportunity to change your future, to change your life. I'm going to give you the opportunity to say, Jesus, I stand firm in you. I want to be excited for what you're doing. I want my will to be your will. I want to remain teachable in you. Could everyone bow your heads and close your eyes? As the music plays softly, we can do everything in our power to set a presence that feels nice. But ultimately, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to have his way tonight. Because like I said, it's not about how good of a sermon I preach. It's not about how effective my words are. It is really about the Holy Spirit. It is really about what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So tonight, if you have never done it before, and tonight you're saying, I want to make my faith in Jesus Christ my own faith. If you've never committed yourself to Jesus Christ, if you've never said, Jesus, my life is yours. I've been taught about what you've done. I've learned about what you did on the cross. I've learned the scripture. I know the stories. But you've never said, I'm committing my life unto you. If you've never committed yourself to serving Jesus, 
Or perhaps in the past, you've never really desired to stand firm in your faith for Christ. And tonight, you know you want to. You can feel it in the pit of your stomach like, maybe he's talking to me. I am talking to you. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, Savior, and repented of your sins, right now I am talking to you. If tonight you know that I am talking to you, and you'd like to acknowledge what Jesus did on the, Christ, did on the cross, and you'd like to accept his sacrifice, and you would like to give your life to him, tonight I want to ask you to raise up your hand. If you know I was talking to you, raise your hand. There isn't anything special about raising your hand. It's not like as soon as you raise your hand, something radical is going to happen, but it is a first step. It is a step in the direction of saying that I am committed to this. So I'm going to ask one more time, if you know that I'm talking to you, if you can feel it, raise your hand high. I see your hands. So tonight, if you raise your hand in a moment, I'm going to lead you in prayer to accept Christ and to commit your life to him. But first, I want to give an opportunity for those of you who have made that commitment to Christ. You have made that dedication, but at some point in the past, and your relationship with Christ hasn't been the way that you would like it to be. Your relationship with Jesus hasn't been about him. It's been about you. It's been about what Jesus can do to you, what Jesus can do for you. And your relationship with him has been kind of rocky. And you know I'm talking to you. That your relationship, maybe, maybe even though you appear on the outside like you've got it all together, that your walk with Christ is appearing perfect. But in reality, your walk with Christ has been really rocky. That you seem to be mad at him more than you seem to be excited about what he's doing in your life. If you know that I'm talking to you, and you would like to reestablish your foundation in him, and you would like to re-give your life to him tonight, and you would like to say tonight, I don't care what I've been doing in the past. I know that I gave my life to you before. And tonight I want to do it again. I want to make that statement. I want to raise my hand. If you know that I'm talking to you, I ask you to raise your hand high. I'm going to give you guys one more opportunity in this. That if, Like I said, if you have, read, if you have dedicated your life to Christ in the past, but tonight you're saying, My relationship's almost been selfish. And it hasn't been about what you've been doing. It's been about what I've been doing. Go ahead and raise your hand really high. I see your hands. So in a few moments, I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer. This is going to be kind of a, a universal prayer. And I want you to know that even though I'm leading you in a corporate prayer and, and, and whatever, it might not feel personal to you. I want you to know that there's nothing special necessarily about saying a prayer one time, that it is about your commitment to Christ. It is about you dedicating your life to Christ. However, I do feel that a public prayer is, is important because you are making a statement in public and you're making a statement out loud. And so that even though I'm going to ask everyone to, to, to um, repeat after me in prayer, if I was talking to you and you raised your hand and you know I'm talking to you, just make sure that when you leave here tonight that the words that you said really meant something, that they follow you out of here, 
that it won't be something you just allow to stay here, that what you pray and what you repeat after me will be something that, that transforms your life, that tomorrow morning when you wake up, you write it down, put it in your phone, put it in your calendar, send yourself a text message, have a friend send you a text message to remind you in the morning of the commitment that you're making tonight. Whether you're committing yourself to Christ for the first time or whether you're committing yourself to Christ for the hundredth time, I don't care. Make sure that tomorrow it doesn't fall flat. Because the prayer, like I said, is, is a first step. It's a step in the right direction. So tonight I'm going to ask for everybody to repeat after me just to make sure I don't leave you out. If you didn't raise your hand, don't feel like you missed an opportunity to rededicate your life to Christ or to commit yourself to Christ. If you didn't raise your hand, don't feel like this prayer isn't for you. Even if you didn't raise your hand, this prayer can mean so much to you and you can take it from here. And like I said, you can completely transform your life by giving your life over to Christ. So tonight I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me. Dear God, louder, dear God, louder, dear God, I acknowledge I am a sinner. I accept Jesus' sacrifice. Tonight, tonight, I choose to serve you. Please guide me. And please help me stand firm. I want your will for my life. Please forgive me of my sins. It is in your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. And I'm going to just finish on this. I know my, my preaching style can be kind of overbearing sometimes. But I want you to know the reason, while I'm writing this sermon, I was just so excited about it. Man, I was smiling the whole time I was writing it. Because I knew tonight lives were going to be changed. Even if it was just one person that raised their hand and everybody else didn't raise their hand, even if nobody raised their hand, I knew that someone's life was going to be changed here tonight. And man, that excites me. But I want to encourage you go, you guys one step further. And I want you to remember that my job from the pulpit my job from the pulpit isn't to make disciples, isn't to go and reach the lost, isn't to do all this stuff. It is to build you guys up so that you guys can do that. My job as a Christian is to go and make disciples. My job as a Christian, just like you, my job, just like your job, is to make disciples. It is to reach the people for Christ, it is to share the gospel. My job is the same as your job in that aspect. My job as your pastor is to build you guys up so that you can go out and do it. And so when you guys leave here tonight, I want to encourage you guys, I don't care if you gave your life to Christ here for the first time ever, and this is the first day that you will be walking in Christ, or if this is the, the hundredth time you've rededicated your life, and you're just saying, God, I just wish this would be the one that just stuck. I don't care if, if your relationship with Christ has been kind of lukewarm, and tonight you're saying, I just want it to be hot. I want to be excited. I want to stand firm. I want my relationship to Christ to be my relationship, and not my parents, and not my brothers. I want to encourage you. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Christ. 
Christ can use you to share the gospel and change somebody else's life. The power is within you because you have the Holy Spirit. And so if you think here tonight that I'm the only person or my wife or your small group leaders or the worship team or or whoever you want to deem to be the only person that can share the gospel on this campus, I want to tell you you're dead wrong because the best person to share the gospel on this campus is you guys because you guys are students. You guys are here 24-7. You live here. You eat here. You breathe here. You do your homework here. You go to class here. Some of you even work here. The best person to share the gospel of Jesus Christ on this campus is you. And so tonight all I'm doing is trying to build you up, trying to encourage you, trying to get you excited so that when you guys leave here, you can share the gospel with these dorms that are out here. You can see them. There's hundreds of students, thousands of students just waiting to hear the gospel of Christ. And you have that knowledge. And so when you leave here, be excited about your faith. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to learn about you. I'm excited for the opportunity to to know you. I thank you that even though we were as far from deserving of what we got, you still gave it to us. That you humbled yourself, you came down from heaven, you became man, and you said, I love these people so much, not only will I do that, but I will die for them and I will cover their sins. I thank you, God, that you did that for each and every one of us. And so, Lord, I pray that as we leave here, as we leave this room, that you would give us a joy that we've never felt before, that you would give us an excitement that we've never felt before, that you would give us the fire like we've never felt it before of the Holy Spirit pushing us, encouraging us, and getting us out of our comfort zones helping us to remain teachable so that we can reach this campus for Christ. That when we leave here, when we graduate or if we transfer or if we leave here mid-semester because we have to drop out, it doesn't matter. That we can look back at our time while we were here and we could say, man, I'm so thankful, God, for what you did on that campus and for how you used me. I want us to be able to say that when we leave here, we remained obedient to what your will was for us in our lives while we were here. And so, Lord, I just ask that you will help us to do that. That you will help us to stay on fire. That you will help us to stay excited. That you will help us to remember what you did on the cross. And the life that you brought us out of. Lord, I thank you tonight thank you for the words you brought, and I thank you for the fellowship we're going to have at McDonald's. And I thank you for the things that you are doing on this campus. It is in your name and for you that we pray. Amen. Man, I just want to encourage you guys. Before I let you guys go, like I said, fellowship afterwards at McDonald's, help pick up the sound crew, but I want to kind of give you one, one last little nugget thanks to, to this guy right here, he goes and comments on one of my posts from like 2008. And in 2008, I wasn't a Christian. I don't remember what you commented on, but I remembered reading it and going, wow, I don't want that on my Facebook. And so I deleted the post right off the bat. 
I know I mean, it wasn't even bad, but you were just joking around. But it was just kind of reminded me. And so I started going through my timeline, going back to before I was a Christian, because I'm old and I've had Facebook since it came out. Because I was actually in college when it came out. But I started going back, and, and there was almost, I mean, it was almost a, a straight line in my timeline between even the language that I talked in, the kind of things I talked about, the things I was excited about, the things I was posting. It was like you start going, and then all of a sudden, I, and I don't know the date, and I know, <clears throat> I know the date I gave my life to Christ, and it was literally like you just passed a, a, a threshold. And as I started going deeper and deeper into my past before Christ, the things that I started saying were more and more vulgar, were more ridiculous. And I seriously stopped and went, wow, I can't believe I said that kind of crap back then. Like even, even my personality, even without Jesus Christ, I still wouldn't think that I would be able to come up with some of the garbage I was posting. And so I just want to encourage you guys that even if you're feeling like you're just stuck in a rut and you feel like your relationship with Christ isn't growing, I guarantee you, you are a different person than you were before you accepted Christ. And so if tonight you accepted Christ for the first time, I want to encourage you that you're going to look back in five years and you're going to say, oh, wow, Christ has done a number in me. And be excited about it. 